0: IFM, 101.9 megahertz of life. And welcome back to Salt Salam Rabbi Ari Kibman. Great to be with you here today. We are going to continue our Tanya Talk series where we're going to explore and review certain concepts, themes that you find in Tanya. And today I would like to look at a particular theme which is embracing our flaws, addressing shame, frustration, feelings of inadequacy. And the truth is, self-disappointment, those who feel it and experience it, we know it can be very debilitating, and we want to see ourselves as ethical individuals. But unfortunately, sometimes we're frustrated because we're wrestling with our character flaws, whether it's pettiness or greed or thoughtlessness, anger, lack of integrity, spiritual insensitivity. And when we reflect on our flaws, what happens is we produce a destructive sense of shame and inadequacy. So what we'd like to explore today is what is the purpose of character flaws? Why did God create us that way? Some people say, well, that's the way God created me. That's the way I am. But that's not the way it is. How do we embrace our flaws in the right way? And Just, by the way, anyone who wants to join these discussions in person, where we have them at Chabad House on Wednesday mornings or at Santin Central Shul, the Kirsch and Kindness Center, on Wednesday evenings. And then, of course, you can get the texts and the videos and the PowerPoint slides and the interactive element of this discussion. Of course, you're welcome to call the studio if you want at 010-140-3020. Or send us an SMS to 34519. Skip the two. You could just send an SMS to this number, which is 34519. Or send a telegram to zero six one eight nine five one zero one nine. It's going to pop up on the screen right in front of me. And we'll try to address whatever questions you specifically might have. And if you recall, just the other week, we talked about... The general objective, one of the ideas and themes of Tanya is that we want to move out of a negative emotional state into a positive one. And that is achieved by living a life that is filled with positive emotion, again devoid of negative, and if we want to live a life from that paradigm, in that perspective in that mode, then we're going to have to tap into our godly soul and Nefesh which is not self-centered, but rather is selfless, and is purpose-driven, and is God-oriented. So, if you are feeling selfish, or pleasure-oriented, then you know that's not coming from the godly soul, but rather related to the animalistic tendencies of our Nefesh habahamnit our natural soul. So, today I would like to discuss, as I mentioned, the frustration of shame, or you could say shame and frustration, because those are both elements of the same thing. They are related to one another. Now, when do you feel... Firstly, we have to distinguish between guilt and shame. You see, guilt is, according to modern psychology, when a person feels bad about something they did, Versus shame is feeling bad about themselves for doing what they did. Of course, just being in a state of shame is not a healthy place to be in. And that's why we prefer to move into guilt, which, which we have, if we have time, we'll get to in a moment to discuss what the benefits of guilt are versus shame. But let's try to understand what shame is and why we should not be in that particular place. Just perhaps to illustrate the difference between shame and guilt, I can't believe I've binged again. What a weak idiot I am. That's shame. It's about self-blame. Guilt is a little bit more productive because guilt is saying I binged again. This is so harmful to my well-being. Or another example, a parent might say I'm such a bad parent. I can't control my kids. I'm terrible. That again is self-blaming. That is shame. When a person is a little bit more productive, and guilt can be more productive, then we get more into stating the deed. I'm having difficulty controlling my kids. I need to do a better job. It's a lot more productive, and that stems more from guilt. And you can think of countless examples, maybe, you know, dealing with seniors. I hear people telling me how terrible they are. They never visit visit their parents. And maybe a more productive way would be guilt-driven. And after all, Guilt is a very Jewish phenomenon. I'm not sure where that actually comes from. I don't think Jews are any more guilty of guilt than any other denominations, religions, people out there. But indeed, Judaism certainly, as our enemies tell us, gave the world a conscience. And in that sense, guilt, if it is productive, then it is Jewish. And maybe the more guilt-driven declaration would be I haven't been visiting my mother as often as I should, which isn't okay. She deserves better. Again, it's more productive than just self-blame. So the idea is shame is more painful because it's about myself. And I was part of the text that we were exploring in our course. We looked at psychologists who actually conducted a series of experiments where they examined the subtle difference that language actually has in our behavior. When a person is self-blaming, that shame element could be very detrimental. And one of the experiments, they actually told the participants that they were going to engage in some kind of task where they could win $5. And this was conducted by one of the universities. And what they did was, they told the participants, the students, to read the sentence which gave them the instructions. And it also explained the purpose of this game, this experiment they were conducting, which was to gain an understanding of cheating on college campuses. But there were two possible sets of instructions that each student participating would receive. And the thing is, they didn't know the difference. Because this was such a subtle difference. You see, one set said or chose the word cheat as a verb. So the way they worded it was, we're interested in how common cheating is. Of course, in that sense, it's a verb. In the second test or whatever set of instructions that they handed out, they used the word cheat as a noun. And what it said was, we're interested in how common cheaters are. So in one set, they used the word as a verb, cheating. In the second set, they used it as a noun, cheaters. And what happened was, the participants were then told to think of a number between 1 and 10. And then they were told that they would receive $5 if the number that they chose was an even number. And they wouldn't get anything if the number selected was an odd number. Now, nobody would know the difference. It's free $5. They're just asking you to be honest with what number you chose in your mind. Incredibly, 20.8% of the students, of those participating, read the, who read the instructions with the noun cheater, reported that they thought of an even number. Only 20%. And I actually conducted this survey in my classrooms just to see how it works. It's not always perfect at an 80%, but I could tell you the majority of people, sometimes 70%, sometimes 75%, but the majority of my class participants always went with the odd number. Choose the number 1 to 10. Do this with yourself. And people often choose three and seven. those are the common numbers that are selected, but for free five dollars, you had where they yo where they chose the word cheating" as a verb, then they had something like eighty percent claiming that they thought of a the odd number uh that they thought of an even number and that's quite ironic because obviously the word cheater. As a noun, nobody wants to be dubbed as a cheater and they were less likely to cheat. And of course, what were the idea that I think was illustrated here is that shame, even though usually it's triggered by a misstep, a lapse in moral judgment, it's not about the mistake itself, but it's about me. It's about my personal sense of inadequacy. People are bothered by their ugly character flaws, by their unhealthy temptations, by their proclivities, by their anger management issues, by pettiness and selfishness, greed, cowardliness, lazy... Whatever it is. Lack of discipline. Spiritual sensitivity. And this leads to a feeling of shame, of inadequacy, to a low self-image. And it's important to realize... Even the very definition, the difference between shame and guilt, because oftentimes we use words incorrectly, or they're second cousins, and just to understand the Kabbalistic concept of it. So we know what the Torah tells us about this. It's important to introduce the, the distinction, just by definition, of the words. So, by way of example, a person can deem themselves to be a bad, we used the example before as a bad parent, because they lack the parental instincts or feelings, even though they function fine as caring, loving parents, they're bothered by the fact that they don't enjoy enough spending perhaps enough time with their kids. Or a person could feel disturbed by their lustful thoughts, even though they never act on those thoughts. And they're feeling shame. They feel really bad about this. But the truth is, these character flaws are at the root of a person's shame and they lead to really unhealthy, morally deficient behavior. And that's the point I want to discuss with you today is how to overcome these feelings, especially when they're not really valid, when they're inappropriate. I don't mean by its inappropriate feelings, but when you don't need to have these feelings about yourself because you are better than you think of yourself. So we'll get back into this low self-esteem, to these feelings of shame, just now. The man who stops advertising to save money is the man who stops the clock to save time. To find out how High FM can work for your business, call us on 010-140-4090. My PC is driving me insane. No space, hanging. I'm not really in the market for a new one. You don't need a new one, Mike. Get a refurb at half the price call Radical Refurbs they've got all the latest models at less than half the price and they come with a 12 month warranty find the computer that suits your needs at Radical Refurbs situated in the heart of Glen Hazel Corner Long and Study Road. Call 11 or go to radicalreforms.coza. In today's complex and turbulent economy, you need a reliable auditing and accounting team to assist you to run your business more efficiently. The team at D.H. Levine & Associates will help you navigate all the complexities of accounting compilations, bookkeeping, consulting, cash flow, budgeting, wills and estates. Take your business to the next level with D.H. Levine & Associates. Contact us on zero one zero 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 three seven eight double two. 378 22. fm your station of choice since 2008. And welcome back to Salta Salam Rabear And today we are discussing concepts in Tanya. Tanya Talks right here on Chai fm And let me introduce you to... A foundational concept in Tanya. And that is that there are different types of people. And Tanya, in fact, that talks about five personalities. Today I only want to talk about two broad general personalities. And we'll say type one is the type of person, the individual who doesn't struggle. And they have no problems dealing with their impulses. Because they don't have negative instincts or temptations. They don't have character flaws as most people I'm familiar with do. And these people, you might call them pure and holy, selfless, not only indeed, but I'm talking about their minds and hearts as well. They are totally devoid of ego. They are not self-centered. And I'm talking here about a tzaddik. And if your mother's convinced you you're a tzaddik, then great. If you lived up to her expectations, even better. But we know tzaddikim are basically... Far and few in between. According to some, there are 36 tzaddikim in every generation. 36 righteous individuals, men and women, who really are the highest caliber of personalities. They are so rare. And as is explained in the Talmud, God made sure not to bunch them in certain generations. And instead, God sprinkles them throughout the generations so to say, to ensure that at every time there would be such righteous people, but far and few between alive and the world. So, of course, these individuals are unique and special, but that's not really the focus of the Tanya's discussion. So we'll move on, and we'll talk about the Bainini. Bainini is generally ref- called the average individual, the intermediate, and perhaps another appropriate term would be The struggler. Now, in Tanya itself, it also talks about Rishayim, the wicked people. But the wicked individual is one who never really overcomes their evil impulses. So we're not going to talk about the wicked person today. I'd like to focus more on the Bainani, the average individual who struggles through life, who perhaps has character flaws, maybe unhealthy impulses, Maybe lots of them. And these individuals spend their lives contending with these struggles. And I would think most of us probably fit into that category. Because I have a feeling tzaddikim have better things to do with their time than be tuning into listening to me here on Chai FM. So let me talk to the individuals who are struggling. And if that's you, well, great. Welcome to the club. And I'll say, Halavai Benani. So let's talk a little bit about who this Benani is. And I would say as follows, Tzadikim, as we said, are rear. And to tell you the truth, I think Rishayim, truly wicked, evil people, also are not common. I think 99% of people are fitting into this category of Using the word loosely of the vanity of the strugglers. And in fact, you know, why does bad news always make it to the headlines? Simple. In media, the rule is, if it bleeds, it leads. There's no reason, people are doing good things all day, there's no reason why the media has to report on it. Because that's normal, that people do good deeds. That people help each other out, that people are kind and hospitable and generous. Those are all normal human behaviors. That's why bad news makes it to the headlines. And that's why exceptionally good news also does. Because when something out of this world, of course, that also makes it into the news. So let's talk about the ones who are struggling, because that's probably most of us. We have our daily challenges. And it doesn't mean we always succumb and capitulate to our struggles. Sometimes we are triumphant and victorious and overcome them. But that's what Tanya discusses, how to go about doing that. And so if you learn Tanya, which is really worthwhile, you'll see that everyone, in fact, has the potential, has the ability to be this Benini, to be the person who doesn't just have struggles, because we all do, but to be the one who overcomes their struggles. You know what it takes to go from try to triumph, just a little bit of oomph. And so that's what it takes. And that's what's discussed in Tanya. How you could overcome those challenges, those impulses, those emotions that are unhealthy within ourselves and to really truly make changes in our lives. So previously we discussed how we all have two souls. It's a basic concept of Judaism. You could call it our two identities, our two selves. We have our divine God mission. Um, or call it our, so our, our mission oriented or our selfless identity, which is our godly soul. And we have our self oriented, self centered, egocentric, animalistic soul. And the very basic difference, as we've said many times here on this show, is the animal is focused on the soil, whereas the godly soul is a soul. And the difference between soil and soul is S-O-I-L versus S-O-U-L. Simple. Godly soul is mission, purpose driven. Animal soul is soil. It's about itself. Now, if you're a tzaddik, you obviously have a special gift. And... Really, you're able to overcome any struggles and challenges. But the rest of us, we have, we don't have that same peaceful, blissful life that's always meaningful and purposeful. The rest of us come with our challenges in this world. And the question is, how do we overcome those struggles that we have? And in Tanya, there's a lot of discussion about that. And let's talk a little bit about how to do that. Because if we can understand the basic distinction between these two soul types, then we understand the how to navigate the challenges that our animal soul encounters every single day. And I think oftentimes we realize you don't have to be, you don't have to aspire to be a tzaddik. All you got to do is know that when I face whatever obstacle, challenge, difficulty, I'm encountering, how am I going to actually overcome it and not succumb to the pit, to that situation again? And sometimes we actually get very frustrated by the struggle, especially when we've unfortunately fallen. But remember this key point that Tanya tells us, just because I failed does not define me as a failure. And that again, goes back to the concept of shame shame is I'm a failure but that would be a shame to define yourself by those mistakes instead we pick ourselves up failure is not getting knocked down failure is when we stay down so when we're back we'll share a few more concepts from Tanya how not to stay down but rather to get ourselves up dust ourselves off and to move on in a productive way Hi fm 101.9 megahertz of life And welcome back to Salt to Soul We've been talking about the strugglers of the struggler in this world Which is most of us And let's just go through a few ideas Firstly, we ought to acknowledge and realize that we matter The fact that God created us The fact that we were born Means we're indispensable to God's plan for this world And if that's the case then how do we deal with our failures, with our shortcomings, with our flaws, with our problems? And a few ideas that we could conclude today's discussion with. Number one is we have to realize that God enjoys us in this world. And God likes when we persevere and we are triumphant and we overcome our challenges. Remember, God gave us our evil inclination. And God gave us free choice. And the point and purpose of this all is for each of us. When we struggle we actually develop our character. And when we overcome whatever challenge we face, we are thereby developing ourselves to the best we really could be. And I want you to think for a moment, yes, there are tzaddikim. And you can think of, as a parent, do we have children who are flying successfully to school and doing very well? And then perhaps we have a child who's not doing as well. Do we have the same expectations for one child over the other? Just as God created people who are more perfect than others, who have that righteous, pious personality, it doesn't mean we cannot refine ourselves and become better at who we are. But there's tremendous nachas and joy when the kid who keeps failing actually does well and instead of getting a D on his test, perhaps gets a C. That is a great development for that child. And just as... The parent has tremendous nachas and joy and pride when your child does better than they used to. God also has tremendous joy from each of us when we overcome whatever struggles or challenges we have in our lives. Let's share another idea. This is explained in chapter 27 of Tanya, which is the idea that, yes, as a struggler, we have negative impulses. And every time we subdue those Emotions, those feelings, every time we expel a negative thought, then, and suppress those feelings, we are champions. We have experienced something outstanding. And this is a great concept in Kabbalah that tells us that our struggles, besides for providing God with that pleasure, Nachas, it's even more so, we're having a cosmic effect the impact is not just in ourselves. It's not microcosmic only in our own world, but it has a ripple effect on the world around us. That each time we prevent a faribble, a fight in our family, we're causing more peace in the world. So this is a concept taught by Raidobear, the Magad of Mez, which says, firstly, the simple and easy translation of that Mishnah is, know that which is above, know that which is above you. But Rabbi Dovber explained it. Dam ala mala, know that which is above mimach comes as a result of your work in this world. So every one of us, every time we suppress our evil inclination and we overcome the negativity in our lives, we are having a global effect. So yeah, making peace with our friends or neighbors, with our family, we are causing peace in the world. Let's see if we've got time for one more concept in Tanya. And here's another interesting expression from the Talmud. The Gemara in Shabbos tells us a story about when Moshe Rabbeinu Moses went up to heaven to receive the Torah. And the angels protested and said, what's this homo sapien doing in our midst? And God explains it coming to receive the Torah. And the angels protest and they say, this hidden treasure, this spiritual gems, what are you going to give it to human beings who are fallible and make mistakes? And God tells Moses, Well, you're a Jew. You'd be a good lawyer. You defend yourself. And so Moshe talks, and he speaks to the angels, and he asks them, What are the commandments? What are the instructions? Let's start with the Ten Commandments that God just gave the Jewish people. And he goes through them one by one. He says, Tell me, do you have, uh, God sound, the Lord your God who took you out of Egypt, were you slaves in Egypt? God says, Don't steal, don't murder. Do you have those temptations? Don't commit adultery. Do you have parents to honor do you have feelings of desecrating Shabbos? Is there jealousy amongst you? Is there an evil inclination? And the angels conceded to Moses' claims. But you see, the angels were telling us that humans aren't worthy. We all were fallible. We have a Yetzirah. We have an evil inclination. And Moshe says, that's exactly what makes us worthy. The fact that we have an evil inclination. It, it's the, it's the language of the Torah that talks to us. Yes, our struggles have cosmic impact. But the struggling is part of the goal. You understand that every time we're going through our struggle, yes, we want to achieve a goal of overcoming the struggle, but the struggle itself is part of our journey in this world. And that's a profound concept. You see, our flaws are not an impediment to fulfilling our purpose in the world, but they are part of our purpose. If I feel that my purpose in life is only to do the right thing, then anything that makes it difficult to achieve that goal is obviously an unwanted nuisance. If the goal in life is only the final product, right being good and selfless, whatever it is, then my character flaws that make it difficult for me to actually deliver that product are annoying. It's frustrating. Say, I want to get my wife a gift. It's her birthday. And what happens? There are challenges along the way. I'm lazy, so I don't make it to the shopping time. What happens now? Then I realize, well, going out there to get the gift is just a means. The gift is the end. But the truth is that the struggler is giving God two gifts. Number one is the struggle. And number two is the gift, is, so to say, the product. The struggle itself that I overcome my laziness, that I get through the difficulties and challenges is part of the gift. And that's how the Jewish perspective is so different than the conventional view that it's just a means to an end. Most people see value in struggle because at the end it's the product that's important. But in Judaism, We see the struggle as part of our purpose. It's part of our process of growing and becoming a better individual is the journey of our struggle itself as well. And so if we align ourselves with our divine soul, and yes, we might have struggles and challenges in our life, but we realize that that struggle is part of shaping our personality of who we are. And so, indeed, our natural soul, our animal soul, yes, it wants self-gratification and it wants all those things. And, and we don't want anything difficult in our lives. But if we look at it from a Torah perspective, we realize that the divine soul, our nefesh alikis, also feels no shame over internal flaws, over our struggles. It sees them as part of the journey of life. And so the next time you're going through any difficulty or struggle or challenge in your life, realize that's part of what's going to shape you and make you the person who you can best be. Wishing you, my dear friends, a meaningful and purposeful and exciting Shabbos. See you back next week, please God. Same time, same place. Stay tuned for the news.